1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: I don't know if this is going to get me canceled on the Guilty Feminist podcast, and not not that you asked. You know who I also had, like, a really guilty crush on for the longest time? Please tell me. Bill Clinton.
0: Oh! I can see that. I can see that. He
2: really shivered my timbers, like— Before the veganism, after the veganism, like he is the nasty, dirty, corrupt one that you still love. And it's a problem. And even in hindsight, like even as we know what we know, I still am like, he's just, what is it about Bill Clinton?
0: He has a sex appeal and a charisma that is untold. And sometimes he has misused that. But he, there's a reason he had all those women. He does definitely have a thing going on. I feel
2: like he lies so well that I think that he actually believes
0: it. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Which is true. intoxicating. He, you know he what tells I mean? himself like- that story. Yeah. He, do you know when people meet Bill Clinton, they always say the same thing. I felt like I was the only person in the room. I felt I was the only person there. Like he just totally focuses on you. So I'm going to now look down the camera because I'm looking at you usually, but I'm going to look down the camera. This is what Bill Clinton does when he meets you. He's like, Jonathan, I've heard a lot about you, and I really love your show. I think you're an incredible human being, right? Oh so I'm God. looking right at you, and he—that's what—that's what he does. No one else is there. It's just you and him. Everyone in the party fades away. Everyone in the receiving line fades away, and it's just you and him. This is how he got so many, you know, just beautiful women into bed and young women into bed, and da 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 da. da. When he was, he just abused that ability to mesmerize, which also was the thing that allowed him to be the president of the United States. I want to ask you this. Do you have any I'm a feminist bards, please, for me?
2: Ooh, no, that one's too bad.
0: <laughs> tell me and I'll tell you if it's if it's too bad or not. I'll, I won't let you put it in if it's too bad.
2: I'm a, well, I wasn't saying, okay, so I'm a feminist, but I still have the hots for Bill Clinton and Mitt Romney.
0: Oh, so my God.
2: Yeah, oh, it's like even, it gets wow. worse. Wow. Gets worse. Uh, and then the other one was going to be like, I'm a feminist, but I didn't like the leotards with pants that the German Olympic women's team wore in the 2020 Olympics.
0: Uh, did you write it? But into it's drama? not that I'm against <laughs>
2: pants and women and like women wearing pants and gymnastics. I think that's fierce to wear your tights. I just felt like the color choice with the blue backdrop of the Tokyo games like the tights were like maroon and black and so I couldn't see and like really like I'm not sexualizing like teen girls and like that's not why I like the no tights I just like as you can see the lines mm. like you can see like where their legs are so maybe if you want to wear tights do like white ones so they'll like you know like pop out from the background.
0: I think that's great, and I think as a gymnast yourself, and obviously a gymnastics enthusiast, you are entitled to an opinion on that. And I'm sure you didn't at them when you had that opinion. No,
2: I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. But I just did at them by doing that. No, if me? if <sighs> no,
0: no, no. If you're listening, uh, gymnastics team, Jonathan Farnes thinks you're super fierce, um, and has some thoughts about your costumes and you should have your costume person get in touch with jvn and jvn will help you should
2: you should get your costume person in touch with the designers at the olympics and world championships so you know what the background color is going to be of those like walls behind the Mm -hmm, podium mm -hmm. so that you can like make sure that the judges can really see your lines so that you don't pick like blue tights with a blue background so Mm -hmm. you don't like blend into the background.
0: Is there a world in which if Bill Clinton and Mitt Romney were together backstage at the Olympics, the gymnastics is going on, you can hear it in the background. And there's just like a little private moment, a little private room, the door is locked that you would consider the most guilty feminist, worst three way of your life. If when you went into that door, like they
2: time traveled back like 20 years, but I didn't, like if I stayed my age but then they were like in their like 30s, 40s, like 50s, even. Like 50s, actually actually, maybe even just like 10 years ago, honestly. <laughs> actually, they could probably do it right now. Actually, I was to gonna honest, say, like, I was
0: gonna say, they're I both mean,
2: looking kind of right. No, they are. You're we'll, still right about we'll, that. We'll maybe the they lives. just got on roids. Maybe if they just got on like steroids, <laughs> just like a little bit of like human growth hormone <laughs> to just get the the pecs and the you know, just get the get the veins again going. No. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. No time travel, just human growth hormone. Yes. I would 100%. And if my husband said, okay, you know, that would be like another conversation. But (laughs) yeah, like, could I like just like literally just like, because maybe when they came out, maybe Bill would be like hardcore, like AOC level progressive. And maybe I would have turned Mitt into like a centrist Democrat with my bussy.
0: Wow. Uh, this is the greatest I'm a feminist butt of all time. It's official. There is no but better. I don't think I'm I have a pussy because
2: that's like you know gay. Say that that's like boy pussy, and I'm like, what is my ussy if I'm non-binary? My nussy, <laughs> like my non-binary, yeah, like my nussy. No nussy. Nussy's cuter.
0: I think nussy's it's, much it's cuter. cuter than
2: pussy too. Yeah, because I also feel like nussy is spelled n-u-s-s-i-e.
0: Yes, I'm gonna refer to mine as nussy because I don't like the word pussy. Can I steal nussy? Can I share it? Can we share a Are nussy? Are you
2: binary? Like maybe you're like low key. At t- is this how you realize that you're like a tiny bit non-binary because I you mean, have a nussy? But no, that's really what we call our butts because we don't have vaginas. I mean, which is devastating. Uh, <laughs> like how much fun to like have like that like so interest? I can't imagine.
0: I mean, every day I wake up and find my own vagina interesting. Um, of course, you Wait, don't. You take it for granted. This
2: fierce, like, comedian says. Yeah. Her name is Beth Delling. She's a feminist. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, you I know Beth Stelling. She's genius. She has this joke where we were performing together and she was saying, like, how... Gay men were complaining about, like, how hard it is to, like, prepare for anal sex. And then she was like, I don't know why they're complaining so much. Like, have you ever, like, you all, like, you can't, like, you got to clean your vagina out, too. And then, like, because it was West Hollywood, like, most everyone was gay. That Like, a bunch of the gays were like, ugh. And then she was like, no, you don't even, ew, like, you never even, like, let me explain. It's kind of like, have you ever, like, cleared out a pumpkin? Like, <gasps> and then, like, the crowd was like, <laughs> It um, was like the funniest thing. She literally compared it to clear wow. a pumpkin and it makes me laugh like three times a week. Like that joke <laughs> makes me laugh. I and know that, what like you mean. You like
0: sort of remember it comes into your head and you just laugh on public That joke was in June transport. of
2: 2018. And wow. I haven't stopped thinking about it. Okay, that was like four years ago. I
0: mean, I think I'm going to adopt Nussie because I feel like it's more true to what my situation is. It just doesn't feel like a pussy. I feel pussy such an and ugly word. Like, then you could call
2: her Nuss for short. Yes, yes.
0: I like it. Nussie. Okay, I have a Nussie. These are the best type of feminist butts anyone's ever done, and you've just like smashed it. <laughs> From a variety of bedrooms and kitchens via Zoom, the Spontaneity Shop presents the guilty feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, and my very special guest, JVN. It's Jonathan Van Ness. is the Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Jonathan Van Ness, I, you are like a genuine uh, deity to the people who listen to the Guilty Feminist podcast. And I know this because we had our photo taken because I came to your hair event in London and people went ballistic. They were like, if the two of you could be in the same room, like, this is all I want in life, and they were so excited. So I'm so thrilled you've agreed to come on the podcast. Oh
2: my gosh. I'm like so honored to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast. I'm very excited to be on it.
0: Stop it! I can't even believe that that's true.
2: But if if honey, if we, we as a podcast host myself, we gotta like be out in the world supporting each other's work.
0: I'm I'm so thrilled to hear that. And can I say? You kindly gave me um, some beautiful hair products from the JVN range. I've been using the purple one, which nurture. you instructed me to nurture. And it's made such a difference. Like, can I just quickly show you this? This is not an ad. Everyone who's listening is going to be like, oh God, Deborah's doing an ad. I'm not doing an ad. This is genuine. I just, I have, I've only met JVN once. And now I'm meeting you again. I, I want to show you what happened the before and after. Give me
2: the dish. What's okay. Tell me, tell me. I,
0: I'm taking off my headphones here to show you. I Uh, had my hair blow-dried.
2: Ah, the bobs looking amazing, everyone.
0: Okay, I I used your your products. I had someone come to blow-dry my hair at the house. I have to tell you this with my headphones on. I had someone come to my house to blow-dry my hair uh, using your products. Five days ago, for a thing, I had to do a show. Five days later, it still looks like it's just been blow-dried. I'm going to show you. Look. It keeps... It keeps its shape now. It's weird. Like, I just have to wash my hair so much less frequently. Do
2: you know what I think it is? What? It's that gorgeous stuff, Hemisqualane I was telling you about. But Hemisqualane is so hydrating to the hair that it, like, I feel like it nourishes the hair so much that when you set it or, like, you know, when you style it, it's, like, actually hydrated. So it keeps that shape. Usually what makes our hair like fall out or like not fall out from the root, but like the style fall mm-hmm. out, you know, like lose the shape. It's because it's dry. So it just kind of like can't retain the products, doesn't retain like, and even if you don't use products, just like can't retain the shape. But like hydrated hair keeps its shape better.
0: Mm. Uh, well, this must be it because I I am a dehydrated human being. Whatever I use on my face, I go to a facialist and every time they'll say, you're dehydrated. I know what they're going to say. I have accepted I have accepted that I am going to die with dehydrated skin in a full inbox. You need to get
2: Omega Repair Cream by Biosense and then you won't be dehydrated. (laughs) It will, like, quench your skin. And also, for the record, I'm obsessed with dry stuff. Like, I love, like, a dry scone. I love a dry biscuit. Like, I love, like, dehydration is fierce, as are you. So... (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, listen, I'm just telling you. Listen, there are advantages to dehydrated skin. And not to uh,
2: interrupt three times in a row, I have to just say your skin's gorgeous and so is your hair. You do not look like you are serving refreshed, hydrated, quenched, refreshed, stunning, already complimented your glasses off recording, but now I'll do it on the recording for safe measure. So Deb, you're slaying. Okay. It's
0: all of that is going on my tombstone like a quote with that, and then Jonathan Vanessa. That's my full obituary now. That's what I want. That's the, <laughs> You've just written the first paragraph of my obituary. It will be on my Wikipedia page by this afternoon. I'll put it there myself. Um, I'm so excited to meet you. And listen, I I do actually want to talk about hair because hair is everything, Antony, to quote Fleabag. It, it is actually. I'm a feminist, but I, the line of Fleabag I related to most was hair is everything, Antony. I'm going to tell a story. You know Fleabag, Right.
2: Oh um, duh. I mean, yes, of, course, of course,
0: of course. Um, I just never want to make assumptions. You know, you're I know you're a very busy person. Um, I actually had a haircut like that before Phoebe wrote that scene. Phoebe and I, good friends. She did the first 12 minutes of Fleabag uh because of a new writing night. I asked her to do it at a storytelling festival. And so I'm very been along the for the journey of fleabag. So I had this haircut and I had to do a TED talk. And look, the TED Talk, I slayed on the TED Talk. There is no TEDx, it was, in Cambridge Cambridge University, JVN. There was nothing wrong with the way I did it. I was slayed it. But the hair, I had a haircut and color the day before. It was a disaster. And I am a feminist, but I always caveat, like, go and watch the TEDx about this because it's about charisma on stage and blah, blah, blah. But please note that my hair should not look that way. And I hate the way I look. And it's so terrible because, you know, like, I'm like, I'm... but Phoebe wrote me a long message because I was so upset about the haircut and I put this whole thing on Facebook and she was still on Facebook then and she said, people were writing, who cares about your hair? You're a woman. You go out and no man would say this and yada, yada, yada. And Phoebe wrote me this personalized message and she went, hair, is it means it's identity. And she said she had this terrible haircut, she thought, on the morning of just the day before she shot the first flea bag. So you know how flea bags got really short hair? That wasn't Phoebe's hair and she was crying. She was devastated. And so I know that that hair is everything scene is about, I hope I'm allowed to say this, um, I, I don't know if Phoebe's ever said it in the press, but it is about our feelings to our hair. And sometimes if someone cuts your hair or does your hair in the wrong way, it can feel make you feel robbed of your identity. And then extending that to, you know, the way that black women feel and have been made to feel or, um, you know, Uh, men are made to feel about what their hair should look like. You know, it's real. I think it's real, what you do. Of course. You know, really real. Hello, Guilty Feminists of Australia and New Zealand. We are coming to you. And by we, I do mean Grace Petrie and I are getting on a plane and we are flying 24 hours to see you. Uh, I am so excited about this because I haven't been to Australia for two and a half years. And it's where I was born and raised. So I usually come back at least once or twice a year to see my family. And all my guilty feminists massive. And this is going to be quite moche for me. I'll be honest with you. Uh, if you're going to be at any of these shows, you're probably going to see tears as well as laughter. I just want to be with you whole uh, down under gang again. Like the shows, they're legendary They always feel so powerful, so important, so joyful, so hilarious, so fraught with resistance, feminism, and song. Um, I just can't wait. So I'm going to tell you where we're coming. On the 13th of July, we're going to be in Adelaide. On the 15th of July, we're going to be in Perth. On the 17th of July, we're going to be in Canberra. On the 18th of July, we're going to be in Canberra. But please bear in mind, the shows will be totally different with different guests. So you can come to both of those. 19th of July, we're going to be in Brisbane. 20th of July, we're going to be in Melbourne. 22nd of July, Christchurch. 23rd of July, Auckland. 24th of July, Wellington. 27th of July, Sydney. Confirmed guest co-hosts include Steph Tisdale in Brisbane. Celia Picona will be in Melbourne. Geraldine Hickey will be in Adelaide. And Cal Wilson will be everywhere else. That's Canberra. That's Perth. That's all the New Zealand dates. Uh, Get your tickets now. We will also have Grace Petrie with us, uh, Singing Up a Storm, and local feminists who we will be talking to and going in for the deep dive conversation. Do not miss it. I'm desperate to be with you. Please be there if you possibly can. Send people, bring everyone on your WhatsApp groups. Introduce people to it that hasn't been there before. Let's have a kiki.
2: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, hair is an extension of our body. Um, So and everyone has a body. Everyone has a relationship to their body. And by extension, their hair. Even if you you know, have alopecia. It's like, then you have a relationship like to the absence of the hair, but it's like, everyone has like a relationship to their hair as it relates to their body and as such, you know, their identity. So it's absolutely real. Um, I think what I take from your story though, um, word to the wise, it's like, we don't get haircuts and hair colors the day before (laughs) filming a major thing. (laughs) Uh, Like, that's what I take away from that as a hairdresser. And, you know, for BB2, it's like, we are not going to get a fucking haircut the day before a big uh, 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 fucking uh, uh. job, okay? We just aren't doing it. Because you don't, it's too many variables. You know what I'm saying? You need to have it done like a month before so that like you have time to process. You know what I'm saying? You need to do it like a month before. And then, <laughs> you know, if you got to do something else, like if you, you know, if you want to get like your roots done or whatever, like that's like not as much of a commitment as like, you know, like a highlighter, like a haircutter. It's like a, you know, like a thing, honey, I'm sorry Aww. you went through that. You know, it kind of reminds me the first major photo shoot I ever did with like the boys. It was like this like people photo shoot for Queer Eye. And, um, I went to go get like my, like, I was like, Ooh, I want to get like my, beard trimmed like i wanted to get like a little like detailing on my beard like i'd never done it And i was like i'm gonna do it it'll be fun but then like i got like the por- the barber like just like shaved off the whole side of my hair like just like Oof. shaved like my hair like clear up like to my temples on both sides um and i was like because then also like i have like you know it just like i literally couldn't wear my hair back or like tucked behind my ears for like three months because it looked like skin, oh you know. God. So it's just like it was very not my vibe. Um, so you know, case in point again, we don't go to a new hair person like the day of a big shoot We just can't. It's too I, risky.
0: I hear that. I so thought you were gonna say word to the wise, however your hair looked on the day of the TED talk is how it's meant to look. Yada no, yada yada. No. And I love that you just mm-hmm. went, don't go the day before. Let it settle. Let it settle. It's
2: gotta settle. Let it I mean, settle. I mean, I'm mean, a hairdresser. If nothing else, I'm a hairdresser first. Okay. Like as a hairdresser, like I always just go like to like that, that client relationship. And I'm like, queen, we're never going like the day before. Mm. It's like too much.
0: Have you ever had someone in your chair cry because you cut their hair in a way that oh, yeah. they didn't mm-hmm. want? And then it's has Do you gone? want to hear a
2: worse story? Yes, please. Do you want to hear a worse story? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I had this client who I love. She's so sweet. And she would grow her hair really long. And then I would cut it like once a year for like locks of love or like beautiful links, like where you can like donate your hair, you know, like for them to make wigs for folks like going through cancer or like people that need wigs. So this, she comes in as a Saturday morning. It was a big Friday night. So I wasn't like feeling my best this Saturday morning. She was my first client. It was eight in the morning. And she had said to me in the whole consultation, she was like, no matter what, I just don't want it above my collarbones. And her hair was, like, long. Like, mm-hmm. really long. Like, way all up on her torso. You know, like, way down, like, here. You know what I'm Go saying?
0: Yeah.
2: So, um, so I was like, okay, yeah, girl, I got it. It's fine. Like, her name's Tina. So I was like, Tina's fine. Like, you just look down. I got it. Because when you start, when you do the lengthy you, like, gotta look down. So I put her hair in, like, these, like, four little ponytails. Like, two in the front, two in the back to cut. And I just started, like, thinking about the night before. I just, I just... I mean, for, I mean, straight up, I just like kind of forgot to like. I just like it's like the thing you never want to hear a hairdresser say, but I just like did kind of accidentally stop paying attention about like where I was in space, uh, and I accidentally just had her look down, and next thing I knew, I cut one of those ponytails off, like <gasps> clear up to like oh. the very, very like like on her hairline. So this has now gone from like. It's like now going to be like a bottom lip bob, not oh even God. like a chin bob. Oh God. Like it was, it was either going to be like a Kate <laughs> Gosselin, like kicked in the back of the head, like Ford, like,
0: mm-hmm. you know, like
2: a wet, like that old Victoria Beckham a, vibe. A, a
0: 1920s, like really sharp. It was either going to be the yeah.
2: straight forward, like that lady Mary, or it was going to be like Victoria Beckham, like short in the back, long in the front. And she said when I cut that ponytail off, she was like, Jonathan, that is not a lob. Like, that is not my collarbone. And I was like, Tina, I'm going to be honest with you. If you get really weird right now and, like, start to cry or freak out on me, it's going to be, like, a weird, ugly haircut. And it is too short. Like, it is absolutely, like, shorter than what you wanted. But I can still make this look amazing. And it'll be, like, an amazing haircut on you if you trust me and just calm down. But if you get, if you stay this heightened and I can feel your upsetness, like, I'm just warning you, like, it's going to get worse. And I just, I want us to get through this next, like, I need us to, like, get through this hour and a half together. Mm -hmm. And I also, like, I know that it's going to be cute, but it is, like, fully 10 inches shorter than what we said. Apologies. My bad. Not charging you. Let's just get through this together. Okay? And then she totally calmed down. And then, you know, it's funny. In the six years that I had done her done this before with her. So it was like once a year for like six years. Never, not once did she ever come back to like maintain the haircut. It would just be like, cut it short, grow it out, cut it. She was so obsessed. I ended up going with the Lady Mary, not the mm-hmm. Victoria Beckham. So we, we kept it like lip length. That short, Bob, was like so her truth for like a year and a half. Like wow. there was no donating. She was like, I love it. It's so good. And then after like a year, we grew it out. But well, it that, all ended well.
0: Well, that's like Fleabag. That's such an iconic haircut for Fleabag. Like we can't imagine Fleabag with longer hair now. But I think it w- it wasn't meant to be. And it, yet it was kind of meant to be. But that crying thing, I... I cried so much the day that they did it for the TED Talk and I asked them to leave the colour and she said, I'm just, I was sobbing and it's so awful for them because there's nothing they can do. But one time, I was stay, a friend of mine was, I came home and she's an African-American friend of mine and she got her hair cut at a place that said they knew how to do black hair and they didn't or Afro hair and they didn't. She, I didn't know what had happened when I came and she was staying in my apartment. When I came in, JVN, can I tell you? Do I call you, do you prefer to be called JVN or Jonathan? Or you don't mind?
2: Either, it's great.
0: Okay. I always think of you as JVN. JVN, which I think is such a funky name. Um, so cool. I would call, I, People call me DFW as well. So um, uh. I, I love it. JVN. Uh, when I came home, she was staying with me I thought her mother had died or something. She was crying. I didn't know what had happened. I couldn't get it out of her. She was sobbing like someone had died. I was like, oh my God. And she lives in America and she was here in London. I was like how am I going to deal with it? And I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And finally she got out. Look what they've done to my hair. And I realized she'd had a haircut and she's, I was growing it out. And even if it was like a shortcut, but a cute shortcut, but it's, and apparently the manager came in and went, yeah, he's fucked it. (laughs) And she's grown it out. So terrible. But it's like, I've never seen anyone so distraught. I've only seen someone distraught like that if someone's died. And Or or they just turns out their husbands left them for three other people or something like that. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's so interesting because it's like hair. And it's like
2: one of the essays in my book is like, it's my love letter to hairdressing. And it's like everything that I learned in the salon. But I feel like an interesting thing about hair is that there's this duality to it that it's like, hair is identity. It's like how you see yourself. It's like this confidence. But then also it's just hair and it does grow. And we like take it way too seriously. So it's like, there's like both are true like it's it's everything and it's so not who we are like mm. it, i think about the india re song like i am not my hair mm. and it's like it is so there is this duality to it that it's like it's 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 this huge deal and it's not a big deal at the same time yeah. it's everything because ultimately you can change your perspective on something and yes they can't do anything about it in the short term and it is possible for us to, like, change our perspective and, like, find our confidence and, like, find our funk in, or, like, you know, f- find, like, the gorgeousness in the thing that you maybe didn't like or whatever. So it's just, it, it's such a fascinating topic. Um, I love hair so much. It's it's the first form of art that I fell in love with, and it's the first medium that I considered myself an artist and, like, found that I am an artist. Um, oh, totally. So yeah, I just... I, I'll always love it.
0: And that kind of leads me on to what you're doing with Queer Eye because I think the mechanism of the very first, and I want to also get to your, um, by the way, just to so you know, I I really do want to get to your new show, Getting Curious, because I think it's incredible. Um, I think the OG Queer Eye, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which I remember really well, I feel that show kind of changed the world because I grew up in a homophobic Beach town in a, a, a very homophobic state. When I left Australia, um, uh, where I grew up in Queensland, it was still illegal to be gay. Um, that was in the 90s. So it, you know, it was. everybody I knew was homophobic. I didn't know any out gay people. I moved to Sydney and it was like two out of three in the Eastern suburbs of Sydney were gay because all the gay people would go there to get away from the homophobic places where they felt unsafe. And they kind of created an army um, in Sydney of like, you know, you're going to fuck with us because, you know, that's how it felt in the 90s in Sydney, for me anyway. Um, And uh, I, when I went back, I remember watching TV with my mom. Years later, I went and and she said, and she said, um, uh, I was like, what are we going to watch in the evening? Flicking channel? she said, oh, can we watch Queer Eye? And I went, what? And she went, yeah, yeah, I love Carson. And oh. I was like, and he's obviously the you know the the campest of the the OG Queer Eye guys and it was so strange to me because I was in a very strict religion i was a jehovah's witness and so it was so strange to hear her say this she said um i love gay men they make very good friends because you don't have to worry about anything and I, it, she said it a bit like they make very good pets to be fair but i felt it was such a it was a leap on you know it was like an, and i was like wow and it was just that it was that what that original queer i was doing was going was pe- they were going into people's houses and going, I know you're a bit scared of us. I know this campness is a bit intimidating to you. I know you worry that it might be a bit predatory. We're going to show you that it's not. And it worked. It operated that original Queer Eye on a little bit of, it it didn't work unless the guy was a little bit on edge about it, a little bit like obviously open to it, but also, oh, I'm a bit awkward around gay men. And they would, by the end of that episode, have that man going, well, you're my best friends ever. There's nothing to fear here. There's only wonderful connection. It was incredible. So when they brought Queer Eye back, I didn't know how it was going to go because I thought, well, we won't accept because that original Queer Eye and what it did because of shows like Will and Grace, which some people may say perpetuate stereotypes, but it's in your living room every night. It wears people down. It's not, they're not scared anymore. It's not so other anymore. So by the time we get to Queer Eye 2, your Queer Eye, something's shifted in our society all of those shows you know modern family they've shifted the dynamic so now we don't want to see homo you know even mildly homophobic or uncomfortable homo uncomfortability we don't want to see it so i thought how's this going to work and then you i thought i thought it wouldn't work probably you you shifted it you the narrative is different in queer eye and now it's so different. Can you explain what you're doing, what the mechanism is? Do you know what the magic is? Do you know what you're doing when you go in? Because it's so it's if it's more beloved than the original, which is so hard to do. People love it.
2: Well, I think that we we definitely had no way of knowing that it was going to be so beloved when we started. I think our goal is to always um center our heroes like the goal is really that we're there to help whoever we're helping and i think that's what's been so unifying for us like through the like 60 or like 50 whatever however many episodes we've done it's like that's really always what our intention is and i think that what we're allowed to do on the show is bring the fullness of who we are into those situations and because i think queer eye is do this queer eye is doing a similar thing to what the first one did it's just that like we're at a slightly different place, but that doesn't mean that we're in, it is overall better. Like we have marriage equality since the first queer eye. Um, you know, we have had, you know, improvements in LGBTQIA plus representation since the first queer eye, you know, your will and graces and the, and, and there hasn't like mildly improved representation. <sighs> but, um, but I think we didn't know like how much we were going to like shift conversations or how much we were going to like, you know, touch people. Um, and we're, and that definitely like, wasn't our intention. I think we're being who we are and we're trying to help folks that were there helping and everything else has just been like, you know, kind of icing on the cake for all of us.
0: When you go in, how much do you really get to know that person? How much of it is TV and how much do you really fall in love with these people?
2: Well, I think what you don't see is that like, obviously our episodes are like 45 minutes, but it takes us like 40 hours to shoot like one episode. We're shooting like, I mean, actually sometimes it's like even longer. Sometimes it's like 40 to like 60 that gets like whittled down to 45 minutes. So we all spend a lot more time with the hero than like what you're seeing on camera. I mean, depending on the makeover, there are times where I've spent like five, eight, nine hours like with our hero like on my day you know i mean that's like but actually who says that it's like way longer like sometimes i'm with them like just so much on that day and then also like on the discovery day and then like the final like the day when we meet them and the day when they come back and find their house like we're just all with them like all day every day like whenever it's like our turn for the field trip so we do spend a lot of time and there is I mean, that connection is really real. I think that obviously there's some episodes where like some one of us may connect with that hero more than others of us do. Um, And also, like, obviously, we're all still humans. Like there might be going on something going on in one of our lives like that where maybe you're just like not as like energetic that week and so like another one of us may like kind of step in a little bit more just because like we don't kind of what's going on with each other because we've worked together for so long at this point but no I mean I think the the connection that you're seeing is organic and and there's I mean there's like so many heroes that I talk to all the time I follow I'm close with like I follow their families I know what's going on with them like you know they've uh, there's so many of them like
0: you keep in touch with them
2: well, I mean, Angel from season six is like my trainer. Like I see her like yeah. we go to gymnastics together like two days a week and she comes to my house and trains me here like Jerrica from season six. Like I help her um, like we do fundraisers together and we do stuff for um, Central Texas Allied Health Institute, which is it's like CTAID, which is or no CTAHI, Central Texas Allied Health Care Institute. Yes, honey. I'm always telling her. It's like such a long acronym, but it's okay. Whatever. It's fine. We love (laughs) that for her. So, and then like Mama Tammy from like season two, Deanna from season four, Jessica from season, um, from season three, Neil from season two, um,
1: planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen,
2: season one Skylar from season two like there's lots of people who I just am very close with love so much like just you know who are very much in my life um so yeah that's that's like a really fun aspect of it and yeah I do think that what you see on the show is what you get um but there is more because we're all together for like a lot in that week mm-hmm. and it's like a 45
0: minute tv show it it seems to me that the reboot which is is not at queer eye for the straight guy anymore it's queer eye for whoever you are, and so some of the people you're seeing are queer, and you know they're they're gender nonconforming, or they're you know they're, they're somebody who just hasn't. It's almost it's it's almost like you're you're saying, hey, the original queer eye was here to you know to come in and introduce. Uh, who we are and dissipate fear. And this one is saying, hey, you know who we didn't nourish and nurture in the first one because we couldn't because we were doing this work? There are so many unseen people in our society who feel on the fringes, who feel on the margins, who feel have been made to feel not normal, and we're going to nourish and nurture those people in those communities as well. And, and, it, and sometimes it's heartbreaking to watch undernourished people, underseen people, be seen, be clothed, be... To be loved, be resourced. And it's just, it's heartbreaking and beautiful and just glorious. And I love that you're doing that. Thank
2: you. That's really kind of you to say.
0: So that was the first
1: half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now.